The Gaily Profit is 100% supported by listeners like you. Help keep this podcast going by visiting thegailyprofit.com and clicking on donate or by becoming a patron at patreon.com slash thegailyprofit. All right, before we get started with today's episode, I have an exciting announcement to make. We made it to 50 reviews! We did it! Pew, pew, pew! Woo! (laughs) Kazoo sounds, noisemakers, (laughs) champagne bottles, what all of that good stuff. Yeah, we did it. We did it with the help of our our final five review leavers who got us to 50, our Orchid5923 and... uh, Ellie, Eli, Tristan on iTunes, uh, Mika and Mia on Facebook, and Gwen R on Stitcher are our final five. And yeah, so I took our list of 50 names. I put them in a free random selector (laughs) website on the internet. And then I had it choose 10 people who are our sticker winners and then I took those 10 people and I put that through the random selector. And I chose <laughs> one person who also gets a t-shirt. And now I will tell you who those people are. Are you ready? I'm ready. Great. I hope they're all ready too. So I'm just going to read your review leaving names because I don't know what your real names are. All right. On iTunes, A Rose Pearl, Anxious NB, Be More Girl 78, Kel two 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 two, Flower Boys nineteen hundred, Cat Callie, Ray the Nerd, M Granger O four, and Lindsay Str. You have been chosen. Those are your iTunes names, and then Mika on Facebook, M Granger O four, and Lindsay Str on iTunes. We you emailed us screenshots of your reviews, so we will contact you directly. Mika on Facebook, we can contact you directly. Everyone else, you have to send an email to thegailyprofit at gmail.com and be like, hey, that's my review. And you have to include in that, hey, that's my review, your mailing address. And if you're Be More Girl 78, you also need to include your t-shirt size because you get a t-shirt. Yay! Hooray! So hopefully that was coherent. Was that coherent, Jesse? I think so. I hope you guys are excited to get your stickers and t-shirt. And if you guys are listeners out there really want either a sticker or t-shirt, you can go to our shop and get one. I will also say, even if you won't get entered into a contest to win a sticker, you should totally still leave us iTunes reviews moving forward because it means that when people go to iTunes and are like, what's this show all about? They'll be like, whoa, look at all these very clearly rad people who really love this show and left it good reviews. And then more people will listen to it. So that's still a good thing. And you should continue leaving us reviews. Also, we really like it. Right. It's like, it's like leaving a, the, you know, the thumbs, it's like liking someone's status on Instagram or Facebook only better because then we know that you guys actually like us so you should totally do that even if it's just a heart emoji we're into that yeah we're very yeah. easily pleased we are very easily <laughs> pleased and now that we have this contest over we can talk about our next goal which is getting so many more patreon subscribers Woo! Yeah. we we now have uh, some goals up on our Patreon, so you know what your hard-earned cash is going towards. 
Yeah, when we reached our first Patreon goal, I, Lark Malachi Gray, will go back through all seven (laughs) hours of content from our first recording and will give you, our brand new patrons, the deep editor's cut of all of the really, really high quality content from those seven hours that didn't make it into our first episode because hero of the world, Sarah Sarwar, was like, dude, your first episode can't be two and a half hours long. No one will ever listen to your podcast. And she was right. Yeah. But also, we had to cut a lot of really good stuff. So I will do that for you when yeah. we reach our first Patreon goal. Yeah. It gets uh, it gets real weird. It's good. <laughs> but also... Things we talk about. Hermione's pre-Hogwarts Trapper Keeper. Time travel. Um, listen i just i just kind of want to keep reiterating that these books take place in the 90s so the aesthetics really should be matching uh really what's going on it's really true anyway thank you to all of our review leavers both those who are getting stickers and those who did not we love all of you very very much and please remember to email us we don't psychically know your address that would be creepy. We're not the witch NSA. <laughs> <laughs> so, yep, with that. Yep, on to the show. The Gaily Prophet operates under the assumption that you have read the books. If you haven't read the books, go and read them. They're wonderful. And then come back to us. Otherwise, you're going to be spoiled, and that's your choice in this world. Gay people love puns. I'm dead. <laughs> we have to stop this podcast. Oh, this book causes Satanism. What is left for us to rant about? There is nothing straight about plum velvet. <laughs> you shouldn't have been drinking when I said that. Monocles are impractical, but hot. I don't for a second believe that she is a straight person. I mean, I'm definitely here for bisexual Minerva McGonagall. Let's talk about (laughs) Harry Potter! Hello, and welcome to The Gaily Prophet, a podcast for two queer IRL witches reread Harry Potter and talk about it. I am America's favorite Griffin dandy, Lark Malachi Gray. And I am Griffin Dyke Extraordinaire, Jesse Blount. And today we are going to talk about Chapter 12, The Polyjuice Potion. So much happens in this chapter. <clears throat> yeah, I can't wait for this summary. <laughs> After being found by McGonagall in half of the school, apparently, with two petrified Hogwarts occupants, Harry visits Dumbledore's awesome office and is not in trouble because clearly he could not petrify anyone. Over Christmas break, the Polyjuice Potion is ready, and Harry and Ron impersonate Crab and Goyle to get info from Draco. Joke's on them, Draco is not the heir of Slytherin, but he knows someone died the last time the chamber was open, and that his dad knows way too much, so not a total loss. Hermione unfortunately botches the get part of a person part of the potion and transforms into a cat person. Yes, well done. (laughs) Wow, that was great. We start this newspaper off with 
today's headlines, which I'll let you swallow your drink before I announce them. (laughs) Okay, thank you. Yes. In a fitting twist of fate, ringleader of nonsense scheme Operation Polyjuice is accidentally (laughs) transformed into a cat. Her followers reported that they were honestly shocked that this was the only thing that went wrong with this utterly terrible plan. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Yeah, truly. We're going to talk about that later, but yes. Right? The editorials for this episode are like 20 pages long. We turn to the front page where we talk about all the things that don't belong in other sections of this newspaper. (laughs) My first thing is that Harry does the in-universe version of making a new account for Pottermore and taking the sorting quiz again. He still gets Gryffindor. (laughs) Oh my god, that's so good. Wow, yeah. Well, did he still get Gryffindor? Because it seems like he's still got Slytherin. I mean, the hat is like, oh, you still be good in Slytherin. And then he's like, blah, and like takes the hat off. Right. But like. By the end of the book, he'll still get Gryffindor. He yeah. stopped too soon or something. He he exited out of the window. And yeah. Again. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I kind of am curious about this insistence of the hat. Because it seems like it uses everything about your personality to sort you. And Voldemort's soul in there is the reason he would be sorted into Slytherin. But that seems to have, like, virtually no bearing on who Harry is as a person. So that makes me really curious about what the sorting hat is accessing. where How Voldemort's soul is showing up in what the sorting hat sees that's influencing its feelings about this. Am I phrasing that well? I think so. I guess I guess I wonder if it is cuz I definitely think it is the bit of Voldemort's soul that is influencing this, but I guess I also want to point out that the book does a very good job of making it very clear that Harry and Voldemort until a lesser extent Snape are kind of similar and like shitty upbringing with muggles and sort of like going into the into the wizarding world and like being really powerful creative magical people but we obviously see where Snape and Voldemort take that idea so I guess there must be a part of the sorting hat that is like you have a little bit of a chip on your shoulder and you really want to prove yourself to be like really rad and somehow this means you're gonna go into Slytherin hmm yeah I I follow you it's a little bit weird because I feel like where my mind is going with that is like if that's true then by logical extension like all all of Peter Pan's lost boys would also be sorted into Slytherin and that doesn't feel like it makes sense to me I don't know I don't know I feel like you could make an argument about Peter Pan himself being a Slytherin. Peter Pan is a fucking Slytherin. Peter Pan is a monster in the book. <laughs> Holy oh, shit. Oh, yeah. In the book, that's fucking... Re- oh, my God. It's like, you... Yeah. Yeah. No. Out of control. But I don't feel... But, like, all of his Lost Boys end up in 
Neverland the same way that he did ish minus the living with a duck for a while but I don't feel like all, all of that there are all sorts of different houses but they all like had reason to get lost so I don't know it I think that what you're saying makes sense in terms of a continuity standpoint but I don't think that I buy it I guess I mean I guess I, I guess it depends on if you buy the fact that Harry's greatest strength is his compassion and that Voldemort lacks that and that Snape's whatever whatever he had of that has been very twisted by the time that he's but he was that he's sorted you know yeah and also I also think that it might make more sense for Harry to be sorted into Slytherin if the book portrayed Slytherin the way that real life Slytherins are. But in the book, which we'll get to later, <laughs> Slytherin House is the house that has the fucking password to get to their common room, pure blood. Like, that's where that's yeah. where I run into the continuity error is like IRL Slytherins, sure, like, I can see that, where, where like, Harry's drive would make it make sense, you know? He's mm. a Leo, Leo's and Capricorns, that's a lot of Slytherin energy there, but in the book, Slytherins are terrible, and so it doesn't make sense for Harry to have, I don't know, we can keep talking about this forever, but... This- yeah, yeah, and I mean, it's also kind of why I think that he inevitably ends up in Gryffindor. Yeah. My first point, besides the sorting hat thing, is obviously something we won't be able to answer, but I find it really curious. You know, the whole issue of, like, the twin cores with Harry's wand and Voldemort's wand is, like, because Fox has only given two feathers ever to be made into wands. But we see in this introduction to Fox, Fox just essentially molting his tail feathers previous to burning up, which makes it seem like given that there are only three cores that can go into wands, there must be a really high demand for Phoenix feathers. It seems like Phoenix are really rare and they shed their feathers in a totally sustainable way. So it seems like Fox should have given like dozens to hundreds of feathers to be made into wands at this point. And so I, think it's weird that there are only two out there. So I've also thought about this. And I mean, part of it is that like the symbolism, obviously. Mm-hmm. But I think if you thinking it through logically, if I mean, it seems like you really can't. I don't know if you could do that, because it seems like if you try to get close to a phoenix and didn't watch it to just be like, peace out, I'm, I'm gone, you know, and even, so even if you try to get like feathers like maybe maybe you need like the tail feather or something of not just like the weird Yeah, it is tail feathers, but like literally what happens when Harry sees him is it Rufio's dreaming. He's making a sound. <laughs> oh my god. He's having a very vivid dream. Yeah. He's probably chasing the raccoon that lives in the tree in our backyard. Um we see tail feathers fall from Fox. And it seems like if Dumbledore was like, oh, you molted these real quick before you catch on fire. Let me just collect them and then like give them or sell them to Ollivander. Like that's 100% 
animal cruelty free, like totally sustainable and probably really needed because there's only two other cores that you can have and like everything seems like it's like really hard to access. So, so why wouldn't they just have Dumbledore? The only thing that I can think of is that they have to be plucked when Fox is like in the prime of his cycle. And so they do actually have to be like removed from him, which probably is really painful because like tail feathers and wing feathers are attached much more uh, aggressively than the rest of a bird's feathers yeah and i mean it does seem like phoenixes are super rare but maybe there's just like one or two phoenixes that are just like yeah whatever yeah there's like here's like eight of them you know yeah so i mean it might just depend on the personality of the phoenix like maybe fox is just kind of like meh yeah <laughs> <laughs> i don't really feel like it so <laughs> all right cool uh what's next um, just another mention about when Harry's, like, picking up the hat, just kind of how, like, dirty and, like, in disrepair. And I'm like, just someone clean the hat. <laughs> Patch it up. This hat's a thousand years old. I mean, it is quite patched. It also is quite full of personality, so maybe it gets to choose when it gets a path. <laughs> I don't want to. When I was created, we thought that bathing made you susceptible to illness. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, the hat is a crust punk. It is. It's a medieval crust punk. (laughs) (laughs) Uh. Okay. Um, Okay, so my next one is just like the word Hagrid with a bunch of hearts. She's just so... And not just the way that she like bursts in defending Harry, but the fact that she's, like, swinging this dead rooster everywhere just makes it even more for me. Just, I don't know, so many big heart-swelling feelings when I read that part of the chapter. Yeah. I Yeah, I do have a note about that, because it is, it is really, like, lovely. And then she's immediately like, oh, okay, good. Harry's not in trouble. I'm just gonna take my dead rooster and yeah. wait, wait outside. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> It's yeah, it's really touching. It's so short and so like there's so much impact in that very small scene, I feel like, which also feels important given what's about to happen. Yeah. It's it's really well done all around. Yeah. I have a couple more things about Fox the Phoenix. Okay. All right. So I feel like I really relate to Harry's concern about, like, oh, Dumbledore, your your bird is real sick. And then it, like, bursts in the flames. It's like, oh, God! Because I feel like whenever I pet sit for someone, I'm always, like, concerned. Like, what if your pet dies? Oh, yeah. Like, what's... And it's, like, a serious anxiety of mine. So I'm just like, yeah, I feel this. <laughs> it's like, I'm sorry. You're... I'm just standing here, but your bird, like, bursts in the flames. It's <laughs> now a pile of ash, and I'm sorry. You know. Totally. Also... Harry should have realized that was a phoenix. He's in such a state. Like, he's literally being accused of, like, murdering or attempting to murder the half the school or whatever. And then he, like, goes into the headmaster's office for the first time and his bird, like, spontaneously <laughs> erupts into flames. Like, Harry probably legitimate thinks that, like, he that he did that. You know? He's yeah. probably... 
just convinced at this point that just his presence in a room will do things like make Dumbledore's pet catch on fire. Oh no, you're totally right. Poor Harry. Poor Harry. It's so sad. Luckily, it's corrected very quickly. Yeah. I just realized something. Sorry. What's up? McGonagall goes in the office and then presumably goes to Dumbledore's like chambers or wherever he is. And then Dumbledore comes out and McGonagall never comes back. <laughs> Where did she go? I mean, you don't think there's some like weird secret passage. Well, I don't know. Maybe she's having some scotch. I don't know. That's true. Seems reasonable. She's pretty shaken up. <laughs> Dumbledore probably has the good shit back there. Right. It's like one of her students got turned to a badger and then she comes out of the classroom and it's like, Justin and Neely had this neck or petrified. It's like, it's been a very rough, like, 20 minutes right there. Yeah. So. Just, like, give me some of that single malt. Dumbledore and Giles both keeping the <laughs> high-class scotch in the back room. Okay. Dumbledore does keep scotch in the back room. I feel like given Dumbledore's thing about candy, he probably does not drink scotch. Because you think he would drink a sweeter alcohol? I, I do think he would drink a sweeter alcohol. He drinks gin with uh riddles orphanage runner at some point but that's because she drinks gin when we do see dumbledore choose alcohol it's mead so you're correct he just keeps the scotch specifically for minerva because oh yeah they're good buddies and she is a scotch drinker for Uh, sure yeah she drinks the straight up tastes like a bog smells kind of scotch drinker which I'm sorry. I love funky <laughs> flavor. Like my beer of choice is IPA. I if it's weird, I probably want it, but scotch is a hard no. I mm-mm, nope. Yeah. Yeah, I'm not really a scotch person either. I'm more of a whiskey. But I like su- I like things that are sweeter, so like I like whiskey. Sorry, I interrupted you on your Fox thing. No, uh, one more thing about Fox is that he is red and gold, very on the nose there. Yeah. A little, little, too, little too on the nose. That's all. <laughs> but that's actually what phoenixes look like, right? In, in most mythology, I think, they're, they're shades from, from yellow to red. They look like fire even when they're not on fire. I mean, there's a lot of different ways that phoenixes can look because they're a very old mythological animal. So, uh, what is your next thing? It makes me sad that everyone's being so shitty to Harry, but my main takeaway from this chapter is how much I fucking love the way that Fred and George are taking care of him, which I think is something that's even come up previously on the podcast because I love it so much. But they are just... This is the perfect way to diffuse this situation. And... I I just want to hug them. I am so pleased with them for stepping up and doing this for Harry and for being able to find a way to make a joke out of it that that really places the burden of the issue on everyone who is being shitty to Harry. It's just it's just it's just perfect. I also have this because it's so great that the twins do this without as far as you can tell, being prompted at all. They're right. just like, make way for the heir of Slytherin. Not get out of the, you know. <laughs> and like, it makes Harry feel so good. Mm-hmm. And I feel like since Harry is 
bad about asking for things like mm-hmm. to be taken care of in this way that and the twins just like step up to it as if Harry's one of their brothers mm-hmm. and it's just it, it's so heartwarming and just I think also very necessary because in general the twins are dicks but, mm-hmm. like, but then you have moments like this mm-hmm. and you're like oh okay like <laughs> When, when you're outside of your own head to like fuck with people, y'all can do some really great stuff. Totally, yes. It's they they have such capacity for good. They're the epitome of a chaotic good characters. Yeah. Yes. Exactly. Oh my god! I can't believe how long we've been talking already. I'm not even halfway through my front page. Dear listeners, this episode's going to be so long. A lot of stuff happens though in this chapter. It's a long chapter. I was like reading, and I'm like, "When is this chapter? How long is this chapter?" Yeah. Yep. Uh, okay. So just uh, buckle in. It's probably going to be like two and a half hours. I don't know. There's probably nothing we can do about it. Maybe I'll split it into two episodes. I mean, yeah, we're still on the front page. Yep. <laughs> All right. I don't remember whose turn it is. Your turn? It might might be my turn. The amount that everyone is commenting about how Percy is sneaking around is just like, you and Penelope are boning so much in this chapter. In this book. In this book, yes. Especially since that is 110% the reason why he stayed behind for Christmas. That's an empty castle to him and his girlfriend to do whatever they want. Yep. Okay, so this is like later in the in the chapter. So, but I just want to just maybe just read you my note on all of this because when Harry and Ron, as Crab and Goyle, ask her for directions to their common room, she's a fucking prefect. She still should have helped them. Like she probably should have assumed that they'd like snuck some of the teachers' wine and they were like a little drunk, and she should have still tried to help in some way, even if she didn't know where the Slytherin common room was. And so what I wrote is Penelope's a bad prefect. She should still help them, but she's probably feeling super awkward because she and Percy have been fucking to the point where even Malfoy has noticed. That is (laughs) huge. Malfoy doesn't give a fuck about Percy Weasley. (laughs) Can I just tell you, I just... It's not in my notes. I just realized that the Ravenclaw they run into is Penelope. I'm oh. like, who is this random Ravenclaw? They don't know who it is. Duh. Yeah, it's Penelope. <laughs> yeah, coming yep. up from the dungeon. They staggered their departure so that people wouldn't see them together. I, I would expect nothing less. Which is honestly. so funny because they're fucking dating. Like, you can walk around with your significant other in high school, but they don't because they're so awkward because of what they've been doing in the dungeon. So, so much boning. So much. It, yes. I don't even know how this, like, story will translate. I don't know if you remember. Uh, Listeners, my partner, when he was applying for jobs when we moved, one of the jobs came with this very bizarre quiz to test his knowledge of carpentry and one of those questions something had happened with autocorrect and so it contained the words prefect door bang and 
What? I, I took a picture. I think I sent it to you and was like, is this what Percy and Penelope are doing in the second book? And I feel like it is. I don't know what it is, but that's like, it's like a weird sex thing that's passed down from prefect to prefect. And it's like, their super secret patented weird ass sex position. They call it the prefect doorbell. <laughs> And with magic, the possibilities are actually endless. So, so endless. It probably has something specifically to do with the prefect bathroom that we were talking about last oh, time. Yeah, There's probably it does. some weird, weird door in there that they have figured out how to rig up some weird sex swing or something like that. Why does this door have manacles? Who knows? Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. They stole them from Filch. <laughs> Totally, which is, that happened when Remus was a prefect. Because Remus was the prefect that would steal manacles from, I guess Phil probably wasn't the caretaker yet. Uh, maybe, he, yeah, he probably was. Because he has files on them, so. Yeah, you're right. Anyway, good talk. <laughs> so much sex. <laughs> okay, so you just established why Percy is still at the school, I don't understand why the rest of the Weasleys besides Ron would choose not to go to Egypt. If you have the choice between staying at school and going to Egypt, especially because Bill's pretty cool. But actually, now that I'm saying this, if I was in high school and someone was like, would you rather not go on vacation with your parents or go on vacation with your parents? I probably would have chosen to not go on vacation with my parents. So I... I take it back. And I feel like it must be a different situation than what happens in book three when they all go to Egypt, in which I bet all the kids are aware that Molly and Arthur can't afford to take them all to Egypt. So they're Mm. like, oh, we'll just, we'll stay at Hogwarts. It'll be great. That makes sense. That's also a much longer trip. And I think, I think in this chat, in this reading, because last book we were like, why are the Weasleys going to Romania to visit Charlie during the one time they could see their other kids. And I now think that the ministry is closed for Christmas. And so Arthur isn't taking, I don't think that he has paid vacation. So this is a time that he's already not going to be at work no matter what. And so that's why they go in the other circumstance. They go in the summer, which means that that's time that he's taking an unpaid vacation. So it's also a much bigger deal in that way, if that makes sense. Well, yeah, and he he wins. Does he win the trip or does he win money? Cause he I, wins money. He wins money, so then he can afford to take the trip and all his kids and mm-hmm. then also to be taking that time off. Yep. Yeah, the ministry's too fucked up to offer PTO. They have never even thought of it. <laughs> it's not even ever come up in... You mean you're not idly rich and you're just doing this job for fun? <laughs> like the late stage capitalism of the gig economy jesus yep all right anyway yeah my next one's really short yeah i think that hermione should have given harry just like one bic pen instead of a fancy eagle (laughs) quill because that would have been a way better present (laughs) (laughs) that's it I want to mention that 
Hedwig has been giving Harry the cold shoulder for four months. Yes, I know. Good job. <laughs> Great work, Hedwig. I just have LOL because I'm like, wait, four months for four months. Yep. <sighs> I know. It's really s- sweet that she, the way that she makes up with him, I think is really cute. Mm-hmm. How do... How do they wear the Weasley sweaters? Do they wear them over their robes so that it's like a a sweater with like bulky ass robes underneath and then like basically like a skirt, like a floor length skirt? Because they don't have pants. I don't know. Or do they not wear their school robes during break? But they do because they, they're wearing robes after this meal, but they're wearing the sweaters at the meal. Maybe the robes are open and they're just, and they're wearing sweaters. They're wearing their sweat, like a shirt and then a sweater and then their robes over their sweater. But haven't we established the robes are just one, they're like a dress. It's not like in the movies because no one's wearing pants. This has been decided. Maybe it's a cardigan? Nope. Because the way that we see the twins put Percy's sweater on his head. In the previous book, he's stuck inside of it. Also, it has, like, designs on the front. I think it just looks really silly. That's... <laughs> I'm pretty sure the answer is that they're wearing sweaters over top of these bulky-ass robes. And it just looks really goofy. <laughs> and uncomfortable. I'm sure. All right. What you got? We might discuss this in a later section, but the Slytherin common room seems very, like, Victorian goth. That's true. I actually have nothing about that anywhere, so... Just the green lamps and the high-back wing-back chairs in front of the giant, like, elaborate mantelpiece that I'm sure is full of carved snakes, snakes. because <laughs> nothing about Slytherin is subtle, yeah. apparently. Yeah, it's so funny. That does not sound like a particularly pleasant common room to like go home to no natural light except light that's been filtered through a lake (laughs) it sounds like eye strain is what it sounds like it does and i mean it sounds rad but if that's every day that's your primary place that you're hanging out and you're only getting sun when you're in the upper levels of the castle like in classrooms (laughs) or when you're outside i don't know it does not sound like a good place to put children you can't even open the windows so what you're saying is all these kids have sads, and that's why. <laughs> yes, that is exactly what I'm saying. Tom Riddle just didn't get enough sunlight, and that's vitamin why he D was deficiency. <laughs> I mean, I don't know. I feel like sometimes in the dead of winter, I'm just like maybe a giant snake. Should ever... No, I'm not. That's I'm lying. That's not actually how I feel in dead. Of winter. It's more like I'm not gonna move. That, that was my last uh, Oh, <laughs> so my last one is about, it says, Malfoy loves Harry Potter. <laughs> we get so much of his crush in this chapter. It's like, clearly all he does is hang out with Crab and Goyle. This is not even close to the first time that he has had this conversation where he's like, why is he hanging out with Hermione Granger when he could be hanging out with me? Like, totally... 
He is invisible. No, he's <laughs> fooling no one with this literally described as petulant <laughs> whining about how much he quote unquote hates Harry Potter. It's like, yeah, stop it. Yeah, it's it is hilarious. It's so funny. How how much time he spends talking about Harry in the common room. Passionately, I'm sure. So passionate. <laughs> so full of feeling. I keep a photo of my enemy next next to me on my pillow. <laughs> yes, maybe maybe I'll bring that that Photoshop work back out. Welcome to the politics section, where we talk about things that are fucked up. And we finally have another NSA watch. It's been so long since we've had an NSA watch. So welcome to which NSA watch? (laughs) In which Dumbledore knows the future question mark slash clearly knows everything that's going on with Harry. But I want to start with him knowing the future because this very pointed conversation about Fox is like there's no reason to have to to have it be in italics that that Phoenix is make a highly loyal pet if you don't know what's going to happen at the end of the book what i think is Dumbledore suspects that Harry is going to have to go up against the Basilisk or whatever is happening with the chamber. Mm -hmm. So I feel like Dumbledore has deduced, I believe, a lot of what is going on. And I don't know if he's deduced to what extent Harry would, what role that Fox would play. But uh, he knew enough to be like, oh, yeah, check out my cool pet that's super loyal and can heal people with his tears and all this other cool stuff. Do you think that if Harry hadn't been brought into McGonagall in this moment, Dumbledore would have uh, figured out another way to introduce Harry and Fox so that Fox would feel compelled to help Harry should he have to fight the Basilisk. I believe so. Totally. I will say, though, and many, many books from now, when Fox takes off after Dumbledore's death, I was honestly surprised that Fox never showed back up past that. Mm. Especially considering his actions in this book where I was sort of like, I, I, I think I read through the Deathly Hallows being like, man, Fox is going to show up and help and help out. And I'm just, and it like never happens. And it's like, I don't know. So maybe it just all is because Fox can sense that Dumbledore likes Harry or Harry's loyal Dumbledore to be like, all right, I'll help you out, kid. But it does kind of seem now that now that you mention that, it does seem like, I mean, I don't think that Fox, like, I think that Fox is a free agent, but it seems like in you know, some way Dumbledore should have, like, willed Fox to 
Harry, you know, which might have just been like an encouragement to Fox to be like, hey, I, it would be great. I think he'd take really good care of you. And also like, you love helping, it seems like. Yeah. And I, and since we could say that like Harry is a much better person than Dumbledore, it's weird that. I mean, who knows what decision-making happened where Fox is like, all right, Dumbledore, I'm going to hang out with you, whatever, it's fine. But it is curious to me that Fox would help out in this book, but not maybe want to hang out with Harry past this stuff. Okay, I'm listeners, I'm raising my hand enthusiastically. <laughs> what if Phoenix's only bond with queer people? Oh, Yeah. Which I think we do, I think, probably read Harry is by, but, like, I don't know. Maybe it seems like that seems logical to me. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe Phoenix is just like we're people. That makes sense to me. It makes sense to me, too. I mean, so much of queer narrative is a rebirth narrative. Right. So. Yep. Yep. Reconstructing yourself. Uh, okay, so reeling this back into NSA Watch. <laughs> um, this pointed, pointed conversation with Harry about, like, do you want to tell me anything makes it abundantly clear that Dumbledore already knows, which is why this is under which NSA Watch. I don't really have any questions about how Dumbledore knows or anything like that, but I am a little bit curious, given that Harry knows that Dumbledore knows, based on what he said at the end of the book, where he's like, Dumbledore knows everything. He's Mm. watching all of us, and I'm fine with that. Why doesn't he just talk to him? Like, it's not like he'd be telling Dumbledore anything new. So he's like, cool, if you already know this, like, why don't you get some fucking help? I feel like part of it is that... All of the weird, all of the ways that people have been treating him and being really sort of, people being, people being jerks about it. And I feel like it, I feel like Harry doesn't want to say anything because he's concerned that something is deeply wrong with him, with himself. And I feel like that kind of anxiety is why you shouldn't be fucking shitting people having a hard time. And I think also part of it is that even with Dumbledore, Harry has a pretty deep mistrust of adults. And of course, for obvious reasons, because so many adults have failed him, even like up until now and will continue to fail him. So it's sort of like, and even though he respects Dumbledore, they're not at a point where he feels comfortable, like telling him about his struggles. I, completely agree with you i just think that it's weird seems like if but if someone already knows and you know that they already know the stakes are so much lower right because he's not going to be telling dumbledore new information i guess and so he doesn't necessarily have to tell him how freaked out he feels or like how upset and isolated he feels but he still could tell him yeah, I've been hearing voices because Dumbledore knows that. Like, Harry Harry has expressed to us that he is aware that, like, if he says something to Ron and Hermione, Dumbledore also knows that information. 
So it's not like he'd be telling him anything new. So why doesn't he just tell him? I don't know. Does that does that make sense? Yeah. I don't think it's logical on Harry's part. He is feeling really vulnerable, and I don't think he just feels comfortable telling Dumbledore, which is why Harry is primed for in the next chapter when he ends up writing to Tom in the diary. Like, for, I mean, I feel like writing to an anonymous weird diary is even more weird than talking to a person, but I feel like part of that, the anonymous factor of that feels maybe easier for him than talking to Dumbledore face to face. Mm -hmm. So it's sort of like going on like Twitter to talk about your issues, but not wanting to talk about it with like someone that you know, Mm -hmm. because it's sort of that like that barrier is like safe when you're feeling uncomfortably vulnerable. Yeah, that makes sense to me. Do we have anything else about this or should we move out of NSA watch? Uh, that was a, I don't have anything else. All right. This has been Witch on a Say Watch. <laughs> I feel a little bad for Crab and Goyle in this chapter. I feel like what we, what is revealed about them is really sad, actually. And the way that, like, Harry and Ron talk about them and how it seems like everyone sort of approaches them is real sad. Yeah, that's a really good point. Just because they're not, you know, sharpest tools in the shed. Like, that doesn't mean... And they're, like, struggling academically. Like, is anyone helping them? I mean, clearly no one is helping them because <laughs> no. no one helps anyone struggling academically in the school. And it's just... I don't know. I just felt a little... I felt a little bad uh, about them in this chapter. I mean, not in the future when they both embraced being death eaters but yeah i also felt bad for them but but in a different way which was the um can we please not roofie people way like that they hermione and ron and harry just assaulted crab and goyle that is disgusting like that is horrific when they wake up they will have no idea what has happened to them like that i just am so and the fact that they all prey upon sort of crab and goyle's weaknesses is like really unfortunate it's you know it's so much like there are so many levels of this plan that are deeply upsetting and a like violate the agency of other people and just just are are terrible whatever yeah but I feel like this piece of it takes it from one level of terrible. It's what pushes it over the edge to an even worse level of terrible. And it, and I think it, I think it's supposed to be funny. It's just like the idea of them waking up in a closet with no idea what happened to them is there's zero things that are funny about that. That's horrifying. And they're locked in there. They're like banging on the door. So they clearly can't figure out how to get out. And I'm like, that's, Oh my god, I missed that. What? They're awake when they give their shoes back? Yeah, they're they're Holy banging on the shit. door of the closet and they just like leave the shoes and like run. And it's like, wait, what? Oh my god. Oh my god. I'm disgusted. I don't know what else to say about that. I know I've said this in an earlier episode, but if 
Hermione had been sorted into Slytherin, she could have been the next. She would have blown Voldemort's shitty plans out of the water and taken over the world. Like, y'all. It's, it's fair. She's... <laughs> I have most of her shit in editorials, but it's... Yes, I, I so do I. But yeah. I feel like I'm probably going to post some of my like handwritten in my book notes on in our Instagram <laughs> stories for this week because they it's a lot of just me writing no but there's a couple parts where it's just like I filled the whole page with exclamation marks because I was so upset and there was just no way for me to like let my anger out <laughs> um, I want to backtrack for a second because I feel like every time we hit Christmas Yule whatever we want to call this winter holiday we get insight into this this thing that i want to keep calling attention to about the ways in which petunia is abusive towards harry where it's much more proactive and psychological sneaky kind of abuse than the like we're locking you in a cupboard vernon is beating you we're like depriving you of of food and a social life and the christmas presents is a completely different form it's a different form of abuse there's sending a toothpick and a note being like could you please not come home is 1000 times worse than not sending a present infinitely worse than not sending a present and it takes so much effort and so much forethought i think that's maybe the thing is like one is like reactionary this requires strategic planning she had to go out of her way to similar to her insisting on making harry have robes that would make him be targeted and bullied for his school in the previous book this is the same kind of thing where she is taking proactive steps that require planning to do something that will emotionally harm him and it just is disgusting and i i think worth noting yeah i actually noted that i believe this is the last book where this happens Mm -mm, they sent him a kleenex at some point that's the first book i think I think it's in, like, the fourth book, because Harry says it's an all-time low. They might send him a crummy... They send him a sock. Yeah, they send him, like, a pair of socks, used socks, and then they send him a single tissue. I don't know if they stop sending him gifts at some point, but um, this is definitely not the last time that they do this. And I just feel like Vernon... The, the reason I'm saying Petunia is that I feel like Vernon would just be like, fuck it. He just wouldn't send a gift. Like, he's not going to take the time and the effort to do something like this. But Petunia 100% would take the time and, and effort to send a single toothpick. Well, yeah. I didn't to mean, given... wrap a fucking toothpick. Like, can you imagine? <laughs> Sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. I say given their marriage, Petunia buys all of the Christmas gifts, so of course this is That's true. what she's doing. That's true. Like, Vernon doesn't have any idea about any of the gifts that she gets. Because he doesn't care, because he's the worst. Yep. I mean, they're both the worst, but... Yeah. Yeah. They are both the worst. Alright, what's next? Uh, I just want to point out 
the fat shaming in this chapter and how I hate it. Yes, please. And I mean, there. I think we get a lot of it again in sort of the descriptions of Crab and Goyle. Um, but even Millicent, who we you don't we don't even see in this chapter because Hermione does not turn into Millicent. And like Ron's like, oh, she's no pixie. I'm like, that's fucked up. A thing. Like, what? That's fucked up. Besides being in Slytherin, like there, like is there's we don't you know and trying to like choke Hermione out. Like we don't really know enough about Millicent to be like she did. Like I mean, she doesn't deserve that. Is what I'm saying, and it's fucked up. It is. It and yeah, because we did t- we talked about this whenever we did meet her, and she's described as like burly and blah, whatever. Which in my mind means she's also butch. <laughs> yeah. It's interesting because I feel like Crab and Goyle are not so much described as being fat as they are described as being like Neanderthal-y or something like that, right? Yeah. Like sort of like large, like lumbering. Yeah. What are they? 12 in this book? Yeah. Right, exactly. <laughs> and, and so then to to go out of the way to also include Millicent and the reason that they won't all fit in a stall once they transform. And just like the phrasing of she's no pixie is so in, it's so, hmm. cause it's not just like, she also is like larger than Hermione. It's like, She's big and also being a pixie is good, right? The way that it loops in here is the right body type and she doesn't have it as opposed to just our normal fat shaming that we get here, which is like she's big. But this one also includes the comparison of like what she should be makes it extra yucky, I think. Yeah. Yeah, it's like saying, like, oh, she's no supermodel. And it's like... Right. That is a completely unrealistic, unsustainable body... Like, what? Yeah. Yeah. Yep. She doesn't have, like, a personal trainer and um, whatever else supermodels have. Eating disorders. Often. Access to a fuckload of cocaine. (laughs) Yeah. And also, yeah... They can probably make their own coke at Hogwarts, but Snape probably teaches that and calls it, like, <laughs> a, like, rejuvenating potion or something. I mean, it comes I after goes... the dick enlargement potion I think this just really goes back to, like, right, you have all these kids that know magic. There's got to be some, like, underground, like, some really crazy drugs, like, recreational drugs at Hogwarts. So much, for sure. If Harry would exit his social circle like a tiny bit he would have access to like so much more uh interesting high school experiences and i feel like i don't know i feel like all all three of the kids could definitely in later books yeah could just have used some recreational drugs right or even some or even alcohol totally if you can brew polyjuice potion you can totally brew your own fucking mead like <laughs> For sure. All right. Okay, so my next one is about the Slytherin common room password being pure blood. And it's it's weird because since there isn't... I feel like for the Gryffindor common room, it seems like the fat lady chooses the passwords. 
for the common room. So who is in control of creating the passwords for the Slytherin common room? And who's I- like, whose idea was this? Like, what the fuck? I feel like it has to be the prefects because it's just a blank stretch of wall. There's no, yeah, there's not like a painting or like the Ravenclaws have a statue that's in charge. There's doesn't seem to be anything sentient that controls the opening and closing. So it must be a prefect, but that's, that's super fucked up. And does that, I know that Snape and Voldemort are both half-bloods, but the idea of it being the word pure blood makes me feel like they're you have to be a pure blood to be in Slytherin or else your like shittiness has to be so powerful that it like overcomes the need for you to be a pure blood. I mean, I think you do have to overcompensate when you're not a pure blood in Slytherin. And I think Voldemort and Snape are both examples of what happens when you do that. Mm-hmm. Like it's just got to feel fucked up if you're like a half blood or like a muggle born Slytherin, and it's like you're just going to your common room, and the password is pure blood. It's like, okay, cool, thanks, guys. There's no, no way there are Muggleborns in Slytherin. I think you could be the most fucking ruthless Muggleborn, and you would not be allowed to be sorted into Slytherin. They put you in Ravenclaw. <laughs> I guess I'm just trying to imagine. So, like with Tom, with Tom Riddle, it's very clear he was like charming and handsome and smart, and that sort of, he was able to kind of con his way into people liking him in Slytherin. Mm-hmm. With Snape, it does seem like he probably did not have very many Slytherin friends, or friends in general, and so that must have been real weird. I don't know, fuck, where's I going with this? I don't know, you're trying to think about what what it would take to make a Mogulborn qualify for Slytherin? Yeah, you'd, ha- you'd have to be so much better than the purebloods, which, considering... Everyone we've met probably isn't that hard. True. <laughs> so. Yeah, I just feel like, at, and this sort of calls into question, like, how kind is the sorting hat? But it just seems like just from a standpoint of who you would be in Slytherin with, they would need to not sort you into Slytherin because you would be mercilessly bullied. So that'd be real bad. I don't know. We should probably move on. Okay. episode's running real long. In connection with what we were just talking about, just Draco being just like the most bigoted little mouthpiece of his dad's politics in this chapter. (laughs) Ew, Malfoy wants to help. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Yeah, it's weird and bad i feel complicated about this article which i don't know if that's like what you're specifically owning in on or not i mean he just has a lot of fucked up shit to crab and goyle in the like three or four pages where harry and ron are interacting yeah with him and i mean a lot of it is talk because as we see in like book six he doesn't necessarily actually want to go through with any of the shit that he's saying right but He's just sort of repeating what he's heard his like parents talk about and being like, "Yeah, we're gonna kill all the Muggleborns." But he doesn't. He doesn't. He doesn't actually want to kill anyone. I don't think he could kill anyone. You know. Yeah. So. Yeah, that's true. It's interesting to think about what Malfoy would have done if he had found out who, like, 
in a world where it wasn't Ginny, where it was someone doing it on purpose. Because he's like, I want to help them. Like, but would he actually help them? Is a really good question. I mean, I don't... I don't think he would. Yeah. Because, again, I don't... I can't even imagine Malfoy killing a rooster. Mm-hmm. Or... And I feel like he would shit himself if he saw the basilisk. <laughs> That's probably true. So sort of in connection with that, like, this whole article about, like, Lucius Malfoy and Arthur Weasley and whatever. Like I said, I feel complicated about it because, like, Lucius is terrible and his, like, oh, let's repeal the Muggle Protection Act as, like, like working that in as a way to... or, like, finding a way to talk about that in connection with this whole thing with, like, Arthur is gross. But I also think he's correct that Arthur Weasley should be fired. <laughs> like, I don't want Arthur to be fired, but, like, 100% what he did should result in him losing his job because it is directly connected and counter to his literal profession. He he broke the law that he wrote, like, that he's responsible for enforcing. That's super solid grounds for being fired. I think if Lucius Malfoy had played it a little bit more cool and had it been a little bit less personal, that that I mean that's actually a very legitimate point, <laughs> and that maybe author would have would have been fired. But he just got fined five hundred dollars. Seems like a very low fine. I mean, maybe not. I don't know. Seems like a very low punishment. Mm-hmm. Seems maybe like a reasonable fine for something that's not directly targeted at like harming muggles that violates the misuse of muggle artifacts rule, but like considering that like his job is enforcing that and he so blatantly broke it. So here's the other thing is that I don't think anyone would fire author. Like he is the only competent person doing this job and they need someone to do that job. And he's clearly very excellent with obliviating people without making them brain dead, hopefully. So, and they can underpay him like dramatic, like, horrifically underpay him to do that job too and and they are yeah i'm sure and probably anyone else who would do that job they'd have to like pay significantly more money and maybe give an office that wasn't a closet yeah i mean they would have to get anyone to want to do this job it seems like so so yeah like he i think he knows he was he's not gonna get fired i mean being fined all that money that he doesn't have is shitty but i'm sure he's very aware that that no one else is like chomping at the bit to do his job mm-hmm. and he loves his job. And so, and the minute he's so corrupt, like they're just, they're just gonna let him sit there just to let him be there. Like even Lucius Malfoy pulling at the strings is like, well, we need someone to do this job. Mm-hmm. So that's fucked up, dude. I mean, it's super fucked up. <sighs> just like real city governments. sometimes, yeah. <laughs> uh, Or real local governments, I should say. Yeah. So, Welcome to the classified section. We have two classifieds for you today. First, subject, independent queer podcast seeks sugar parents. (laughs) (laughs) Us, a self-produced podcast doing its very best to make the world a better and queerer place one episode at a time. You, a lover of our content who values our work and wants to see us succeed in life. 
We will give you many perks in exchange for your support. Make a one-time donation through our website and get awesome merch in exchange. Or become a patron and get tons of bonus content. You can't go wrong either way. Visit thegailyprofit.com and click on donate. Or visit patreon.com slash thegailyprofit to become an ongoing supporter. Excellent. Yes. Excellent. Cool. Trying to be amusing and also beg for money at the same time. Next up, we have A Missed Connections. Title, I Saw You Across the Common Room. You, blonde, haughty, a master of disdain. Me, tall, high cheekbones, not gonna lie, gorgeous. I have good genes. We were sorted into the same house and have been sharing a dorm ever since. It seems like we have so much in common, but after our first conversation on the first day of school, you've never looked my way again. I know you're too good for those losers you hang out with. I wish you'd notice me. We could be so mean together. (laughs) I would really like to use this to transition into a conversation about why Malfoy and Blaze aren't best friends. It is real weird. I assume that the answer is racism. Like, I, I assume that that's like the full stop the answer. However, it is so weird. They are both like rich and powerful and beautiful and smart and hate everyone but themselves. They are such logical best friends. And it doesn't make any sense that Malfoy would spend his time with Crab and Goyle when he could be spending his time with Blaze. Because just the four of them, right? That yeah. are the, the second year boy Slytherins. I mean, I think racism is probably a good a good point. The other part could be that maybe Draco doesn't want friends as much as he wants followers. And Blaze does not seem like someone who wants to follow anyone. And so they might just butt heads in that regard. Hmm. Malfoy would have to deal with someone being mean to him and teasing him back. And I don't think he wants that. I don't know, because I never really questioned it until this read of this chapter where we do see a a real, essentially real interaction between Malfoy and Crab and Goyle. And it seems pretty unsatisfactory to Malfoy. I mean, maybe Blaze doesn't buy into, like, the blood purity bullshit and doesn't he like, does. want... We see him in the sixth book very clearly participating in that during, like, the Slug Club stuff. Mm. And so it's just, like, wouldn't Malfoy be so much happier with someone to, like, gossip and be shitty with than someone that he just talks at who, like, gives him a response? Especially because he's a Gemini. I don't know. (laughs) I feel like he really needs more dynamic relationships. I mean, maybe Blaze is not here for christmas yeah but we would i think we they should be bffs the way that we see malfoy crab and goyle you know what i mean like i think he should crab and goyle can still be there and be like their lackeys but like it should be malfoy and blaze together like they are the ringleaders these are their lackeys but like really the tight friendship is between these two like beautiful wealthy shitty boys who hate everyone but each other that's true and probably would also hate each they'd be frenemies but like they should be best frenemies maybe blaze is over draco only want to talk about harry potter that's a legitimate possibility (laughs) 
Uh, Draco, he's not even that cute. Stop talking about it. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's fair. I can buy into that. <laughs> Welcome to editorials, where we rant about stuff. Okay, so my first editorial is about why Malfoy is at school over Christmas. I think they told us in an earlier chapter, like, I know that we knew he was staying and that they were planning to do this polyjuice thing over Christmas, but given the fact that the school is being attacked by a basilisk... I don't know. It just doesn't make sense to me that Malfoy would be there, regardless of what his parents were doing. Like, he would stay at home with his nanny, you know? He wouldn't yeah. stay at the fucking school. Yeah, it's, it actually is really weird that he's here. Especially because I, f- I feel like Narcissa is the kind of parent who wouldn't want to not see her kid at Christmas. Totally. Like, she didn't want him to go to Durmstrang who was too far away. So, and he's like the only kid that goes home for their spring break. Everyone else stays at Hogwarts to study for finals and Malfoy goes home. So, it's just super un- this might be a correction, but like it just is so unrealistic that he would be here. I mean, the, oh, the only thing is that maybe Draco is staying because he does want to see if the heir is going to do anything and maybe try to like figure it out mm. potentially. I guess, yeah. Narcissa would not allow that, though. Lucius might, but Narcissa would be like, no, fuck you. You could get harmed. You need to come home. Yeah, I think this is kind of a correction in which it doesn't make sense. It only makes sense because of the plot needs him to be there. Mm -hmm. But in reality, he, yeah, Narcissa would have had him home. Even if he didn't want to go home, she'd be like, no, you're coming home. Right. And he's 12. So what is he going to do? Right. Okay, so the only other thing I had is that is the thing that we touched on briefly earlier about the fact that, like, Lucius knows everything about the chamber having been opened 50 years ago. So, like, if this is common knowledge, why does everyone, why do all the kids not know anything about the Chamber of Secrets? Like, if ev- maybe everyone doesn't know. Maybe Lucius just knows because Voldemort told him. Yes? That's that's what I assume is that Voldemort told him about all about the chamber. But Hagrid went to Azkaban for it. And, but I'm having a really hard time here. So the teachers know that the chamber was open before and that Hagrid was blamed for it. But does the general public just think that like a monster was attacking the school and they don't know that the chamber was blamed for it? Is that what's going on? It seems like. Especially since Draco is like, oh yeah, whoever did that is at Azkaban. And considering that apparently people get sent to Azkaban without trials, it's... They sure do. Alright, maybe we can dig more into this later, but... Mm -hmm. Alright, so let's start with the... The subject, or the... Yeah, the subject that I have titled Hermione Why. (laughs) Jesse, what's going on here? Hermione just really wanted to do all this shit. Like, let's. She wanted to see if it would work, if her master plan would work. Because it's so convoluted and ridiculous. Even Harry and Ron are like, you know, I don't know about. Like. Ron says, Have you ever heard of a plan where so many things could go wrong? And that is the most accurate, succinct assessment of this entire plan. It's a terrible plan. 
And the fact that the only thing that goes wrong is that Hermione turns into a cat is miraculous. I actually have a point about that. Okay. Which is, I don't think that the plan would have worked if Hermione would have had one of Millicent's hairs. That's true. Because she would have walked in and be like, I'm back from Christmas. They would have been like, what the fuck? Like, how'd you get here? How are you getting back? Where did you go? They would have blown the whole thing if that hadn't have happened. That's true. And, but also, shouldn't the whole thing be blown when Crab and Goyle go back to the common room and are like, one time we got stuck in a closet? Like, we don't know what happened? Or does Malfoy just think they got stuck in the closet on the way to the infirmary? Like, what happens at the end of this? Because... Malfoy should be telling his father about this tomorrow, you know? I th- I think that the assumption is, considering no one thinks it's, besides Penelope, thinks it's weird the way that Harry and Ron are acting as Crab and Goyle, that Malfoy's probably going to be like, guys are so dense, he got locked in a closet after eating too much cake, lol, and like, not think anything of it. It's I don't know. Yes, that that part is ridiculous. And it's so ridiculous. Harry and Ron are so unbelievably bad at acting. Like they've no poker face. They've nothing like get in character. It's so frustrating that they're like correcting Malfoy about Percy's name and like getting mad about the shit about Ron's family. Like chill out, you guys. Just because you look like someone it doesn't mean that you can just like totally act like yourselves like come on it, it this plan just just their bad acting alone should have blown the whole thing yeah especially ron who just has zero he can't could he yeah he has no poker face at all not to mention i don't know if this is a correction or not they spent like half an hour looking for the Slytherin common room. Did Hermione not know where it was? Because she didn't tell them where it was. And like... She didn't fucking know where it was. Yeah. that That's in all caps. So like... These... So like what... Because that is... That is phase one. In the time between you start brewing the polyjuice potion and you implement the plan, you find out where the common room is. Like... Unbelievably bad planning. Right. So again, even if they would have had her mind, they still would have fucking been wandering around being like, where's the common room at? What's the password? Who are we going to get into the common room? It's like, what? A plan. I don't understand. And the thing with the fucking cakes, like, it's a literal cartoon that would never. Yeah, actually, I took a minute to be like, okay, so she filled this cake, these tiny cakes with some potions. So they must have been like a lava cake or like a hostess kind of cream filling cake. Because mm-hmm. like... Where did she they'd bake be the dr- cakes? They would be drippy. Right. Where did these cakes come from? Because they'd be drippy. Like you can't just lay a cake that's been soaked in moisture on a banister without like leaving a smear and like falling apart. Like the structural integrity of this cake <laughs> that is filled with liquid is actually very frustrating to me as a baker. I'm oh like, what the fuck God. kind of cake is this? What are you, like, what? I wonder if the structural integrity of this cake is the title of this episode. (laughs) 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 And the fact that they just, like, set it 
set it out. And then Crab and Goyle come out and are like, oh, a cake. Like, that... That's just not... They've been stuffing themselves to the point where Malfoy was like, ugh, fuck you guys and left, which also seems highly unrealistic. Like, if he left, they would have been like, oh, I guess I'm done with dessert. I gotta go with Malfoy. So, but... They yeah, wouldn't come I out mean, and be like, oh, weird, abandoned cakes. Let me just, like, put that in my body. That seems like a good idea. It's, it is really ridiculous. And, I mean, I've eaten my fair share of, like, workplace, communal kitchen, questionable food, slash things I probably just should have thrown away and not eaten. But even, but, like, right, you wouldn't just eat random, unwrapped, not on a plate, cake sitting on a stairway banister? That's gross. It's super, it, and it, like, yes, like, <laughs> stale bagels and, like, weird cake in, like, an office kitchen. Probably not food that we all super actually want to be eating, but, like, it's there and it's carbs, so we eat it. But that is at least in a kitchen and in a place where people <laughs> put food that's for everyone to eat. The banister outside of the dining hall is not a place where you find food that's meant to be consumed. Especially because you live in a magical castle that's so dangerous. Like, you, like... It's just at every step of the way, this plan should have failed. It's... Yeah. A bad it's plan. Super convol- it's super convoluted. It's ridiculous. <sighs> and, like, some parts are well thought out, and the other parts are like, just leave some cake somewhere. What? For instance, well thought out. They found, they stole some shoes, and they got bigger robes. Very good planning. And then Harry didn't put those things on his goddamn body before he took the potion, so he destroyed his robes and probably broke his fucking toes. It was, that infuriates me. (laughs) I'm like, you went so far to be ready to be in a bigger body, and then you didn't change your clothes first? I just want to, like, throw things when I think about why. Why? Yeah, he also should have gotten, like, the most painful wedgie ever. Oh, my God. Maybe he doesn't wear anything under his robes. I mean, I guess I can't blame him, but, yeah. (sighs) Yeah, I don't know. I'm, like, irate about that part. (laughs) Why? Uh, I also want to talk about how this book is just full of just such nightmare fuel about how awful the polyjuice transformation. Like, I was reading, I don't think I've ever read it closely, but I was like, this is horrible. Like, this is disgusting. And I'm just like... What his skin is doing, I'm like, I'm, I would die. I would literally die. He feels like he swallowed live snakes and his skin is made of boiling wax. That is just, and the, no. And does that happen, like, every time you take it? Because that means that, like, Banana Pants, Barty Crouch Jr. was doing that every hour for, an until, for like, nine months. Oh, my God. Maybe if you're already on it. If you take it again before it wears off, you're not actually transforming again. So probably it doesn't hurt unless you're, like, actually changing from one body to the next. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, that would make sense. But, yeah, I'm with you. I am just like... Yeah. I can't with all of nope. that. <laughs> yeah. I feel like I forgot how, like, there's so many, like, viscerally disgusting parts of this book. Right? <laughs> I think I'm going to block that out. I'm just, like, skimmed over. I'm like, yeah, whatever. Yeah. That sucked. Yep. Also, just talking about Hermione Elowell turning herself into a furry. This <laughs> <laughs> Oh, my God. I do a little bit love Myrtle. <laughs> oh, she's gonna. She looks so terrible. She's just like what? She's just like relishing how how this has gone terribly wrong. Yeah, and just especially the part where like they're leaving the bathroom and Myrtle's like, "Wait till everyone finds out you have a tail." <laughs> that part is just really, just really good, especially because I- Hermione fucking deserves it. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. I'm I'm glad Myrtle has some joy, but also, yes, that's fucking funny. It's really funny. It's like, everyone told you this was a bad plan. We've been telling you this was a bad plan from the start, and now look what happened. <laughs> you know, I've actually been trying to think, because, like, I'm a, I'm a long-haired cat. I am often covered in cat hair. And also people hair because Nicole has long hair. And so I'm just like, would I mistake a human hair for a cat hair? I don't know. I feel like human hair has a different texture than like pet fur. I agree. Yeah. I mean, I guess if Hermione's never owned a pet before, maybe that's an easy mistake to make. That's true. That also lends credence to your Millicent as a butch theory, because if you can mistake a cat hair for a person hair, even a long-haired cat, that means that Millicent has short hair. Which isn't to say that, like, larger ladies can't also be femme. No. What? Of course not. (laughs) I don't think... I'm sorry. I'm just clarifying, but I'm just like, I feel like everything we hear about... Millicent makes me think that she is butch. Well, I think it's the headlock more than the <laughs> side of her. That's body. true. It is. I think. I think it is in fact the headlock. Yeah, and that apparently she has like very short hair. Yeah. So yeah, I don't. I don't. I don't. I hope none of our listeners would be like, "Oh, you have opinions about what body shape and size femmes and butches have to have." I don't. No one. I don't know. That. I just. Yeah. I just wanted to make that clear. Yeah. Um, in other notes, I do want to end on a light note, which is the potential, I mean, maybe this isn't actually a light note, but like the like kinky, sexy possibilities of Polyjuice Potion. Interesting. Go on. I mean, you know, if you're like the kind of person's like, oh, I want to fuck a stranger, but I don't actually want to do that. You could just be like, pluck someone's hair for like a hour of really weird fun or something or like I don't know which I which is ethically fucked up now that I'm saying that so that's why I'm like wait this isn't actually a light note because it's fucked up it's in that situation the fucked up is lower but that's like really why I feel like polyjuice potion in general is so fucked up I guess I just feel like Polyjuice Potion is a date rape drug. You 
there's a a lot of like really terrible ways that this can be used, which we see with like Freddy Crouch Jr. And I'm sure there's like tons of other ways that you can. I mean, even just what they're doing with Malfoy is like a terrible violation of his agency. Yeah. But like, yeah, I don't know. I feel like sex is in particular a place where this potion could be used to like horrifically violate people. Cause if you can impersonate, if you can make them believe that you are their partner, that's yeah. Yeah. That's awful. Mm -hmm. And probably has happened in the witchy world, which yeah. Why isn't this shit illegal? Like what's going (laughs) on? Right. It should, it should definitely be illegal. So like, how do you control anything like that in this world? I mean, I don't know. If it, if there's, like, one weird ingredient you could regulate, maybe. I mean, of course, there's no... Reg- well, no. There's regulations on cauldron bottoms. Like, it would seem weird if you, if you needed, like, one weird, rare thing. Like, what did they have to steal out of Snape's office? Boom slang skin or and something? And bicorn horn. Right. Like, can't you just be, like, track or regulate that stuff? Yeah, maybe. Because so, if it's kept in Snape's office, it must, like, be using stuff that's, like, you wouldn't at least be teaching to, like, 16 or 17-year-olds. So That's true. I don't know. Yeah. Well, okay. So, that's sad and fucked up. I don't have anything light to land on. We could rant about the celebration of Christmas in the witching world again, if you want to. <laughs> No, sorry. I yeah, I didn't I didn't think through when I was like I mean, it's pretty pretty light the Christmas shit in this book is is not super heavily emphasized, so you know, we can just reiterate Jesse thinks that they call it Christmas but they're celebrating Yule. I think they call it Yule, but the editors changed it to Christmas. Both of these are the same thing, more or less. Thank you for listening to the Gaily Prophet. You should please support us on Patreon or on our website where you can click on the donate button. You get merch if you donate. You get bonus content if you support us on Patreon. So both of those are cool. You can also support us for free by telling everyone you know about our podcast, by following us on social media and encouraging others to follow us on social media by sharing our things and tagging us in them. And you can also buy our merch. You can also buy our merch. That's another way to uh, support us. It makes makes great gifts mm-hmm. for all of the, uh, it's about to be Leo season soon for all the Leos in your life. So, Yep. Yeah. <laughs> um, get them a conversation piece. I don't know. Yeah. It seems like a Leo. It seems like a, a Leo thing to have a conversation thing to be like, ah, yes, let me tell you about this awesome podcast that I love. <laughs> yes, definitely. Jesse, do you um, want to tell them where they can find all those things? Uh, yes, you can find our merch and our donate button on our website, thegailyprofit.com. Our social media handles, we are at thegailyprofit on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. Um, you can support us on Patreon at patreon.com slash thegailyprofit. And uh, if you want to know more or have any questions, you can always email us at thegailyprofit at gmail.com. Yeah, all of you who um, 
leave us awesome reviews in which you say that you don't always agree with us, you should email us because we want to know what you don't agree with because we want to address it in Letter to the Editor episodes that we then put on Patreon. But even if you're not a patron, you still get to listen to our answer. But, like, we really like it when you guys email us. So do it. Yeah, we we will definitely talk about the things. Or if you need any advice, I don't know. Yeah, totally. <laughs> if Dear Prudence has not gotten to your letter, you could always email. Fuck yeah, I'm a professional <laughs> advice giver. Like, literally. So you should totally do that. I'll do that. Sounds great. Uh, uh, yeah. Um, if you want my professional advice for real... You can um, access that through my website, which is larkmalakai.com, L-A-R-K-M-A-L-A-K-A-I dot com. And I am putting out to the universe that I am looking to do more tarot work with my time. So especially if you want advice that is tarot influenced, you should go check it out. But I'm happy to help you through other mediums as well. You can find me on the internet at Twitter. Um, at Jesse underscore Detroit or on Instagram at live from Detroit. I don't have any businesses to plug, but I do sometimes post pictures of animals who are up for adoption. So there's that. I would like to endorse Jesse's Twitter. You are a top notch <laughs> retweeter. Your Twitter is excellent. You should all Thank go you. follow Jesse on Twitter right now. Oh, thank you. I I do love Twitter, even though it is a literal hot dumpster fire. Don't forget to go leave us a review on iTunes. That is another way that you can support our podcast. It helps other people know that this is a rad podcast. When they click on it, they're like, oh, look at all these really great reviews. That's rad. I should listen to it. So, like, go do that. It'd be sweet. We'd like it. We'll take a screenshot we'll post on instagram with like a big flashy thank you gif it'll be super fantastic yes our spoiler warning is voiced by sarah sarar the music for our theme song and any other not lyriced music you hear is by kevin mcleod and our logo art is by theo julian forrester who also creates incredible comics on our that you can see on our social media or our website like seriously if you look at one thing on our website or our social media it should be the comics because they are incredible they really are all right and then until next time pinhead incognito lint roller furry (laughs) 